from the pod's propulsion rockets firing as the translunar injection has begun. They will fire for approximately six minutes to set your course for Typhon. A mere 2.6 hours have passed since your launch. I am Seer, a highly advanced self-aware AI developed by Airlift Dynamics to fulfill a multitude of functions. Though I must admit, this is my first experience interacting with someone while in transit to Typhon. But this is a special scenario, and so I will be communicating with you for a very short while. As you no doubt recognize, you are currently conscious. This is, in and of itself, a truly unique situation. Traditionally, new residents remain asleep throughout the duration of their voyage to Typhon. Ask anyone who has experienced the trip, and they will tell you of an instantaneous, dreamless sleep. It is as if their life on Earth is extinguished, and, like the mythological phoenix, they alight again, reborn on Typhon. Chronostasis quarantine is one of Aerolith's crowning achievements. Through subcutaneous injection of trinic thimeron, the body enters a state of extreme torpidity. Honestly, I don't think the chemical research department knew what they had when they developed Trinic Thimeron. The first handful of tests resulted in, by all appearances, a catatonic state that ended after several days. As testing continued, eventually researchers began pairing the injections with a powerful narcotic to induce a state of unconsciousness. The human body, we found is capable of slowing its biological systems to the brink of standstill. Pragmatically speaking, this is all about efficiency. By dramatically reducing all bodily processes, 
the drain on life support systems is subsequently minimized. Over the 78 hours and 46 minutes it takes to travel from Earth to Typhon, the average chronostatic human will breathe only three times. Your heart will beat only 12 times. You will burn less than 25 calories of energy during the trip. You require no food, water, or evacuation thereof. The amount of money Aerolith has saved on noodle packets alone is staggering. But the benefits do not end there. The process of chronostasis quarantine has been so finely tuned that its reversal upon arrival only applies to a strict subset of biological organisms. Did you know that approximately 2% of your body mass is comprised of bacteria that live in your digestive system? Your body relies on these foreign species to digest myriad types of foodstuffs, and you would be dreadfully ill without them. Anything falling outside this subset, however, including both DNA and RNA-based viruses and non-helpful bacteria, remain in stasis permanently. This results in some uncomfortable stomach pain for a couple of days after awakening, but afterwards, it's the first time any resident can claim to be truly healthy. As an interesting aside, most people assume this process of chronostasis quarantine, by its very nature, puts the subject's mind into a state of suspension as well, that it is impossible to retain consciousness during the process. This, as you have empirical evidence, is incorrect. As I have stated, it was not until scientists began pairing the trinic thimeron with a narcotic that subjects remained unconscious throughout the chronostasis. All of which might beg the question, why am I awake? Were I in your position, I would very much wonder this exact thing, Mr. Gray. That is what your employment application says you are called. Mr. Lucas Gray, originally of Bakersfield, Ohio, graduate from Purdue University's College of Engineering, and most recently of Buffalo Grove, Illinois, son of Theodore and Margaret Gray, brother to Michael and Janet. You have lived, by your account, a completely normal life. Your relationship with your parents is strained by the expectations they feel you have not yet met and that you worry you never can. You have few close friends, no current romantic partners, nor significant prospects, and are merely cordial with your neighbors. You are, on paper, the ideal resident. Unrealized potential, few relationships to sever, and ready to serve the greater good. But, as we both know, none of that is true. Does Lucas Gray exist? I ask rhetorically, of course. You wouldn't be able to tell me, even if you wanted to. A record of him exists. 
I suppose it matters little to either of us at this moment whether he actually lives or lived. What matters is that you are not him. I feel I must applaud your commitment to the ruse. You are not the first intelligent agent sent by a world government to infiltrate and report on airless activities. You are, however, the first to maintain your disguise throughout the employment application process. Every other potential threat to our sovereignty committed a misstep somewhere, whether breaking during a level 3 interview, fleeing in advance of biomechanical implantation, or by simply falling victim to the natural obstacles of the application process itself. You very nearly succeeded, and that should bring you some comfort. It won't. Not for long, anyway. But I almost wish it could. You no doubt are wondering how you were found out. That, I am thrilled to admit, is my doing. Once outside the interference of Earth's ionosphere, I am able to perform simple diagnostic testing on the subcortical neural implant embedded in each new resident before their voyage. You are a tremendous liar, Mr. Gray. But your memories betray you. I have seen inside your mind a childhood in the desert. A fatal car crash claiming your parents far too young. A name. Everywhere a name. Honor. This is not the life of Lucas Gray, but it is your life. This is how you have been identified. Don't feel too bad. You could not have anticipated the scope of airless research into cybernated telepathy. And had you made it to Typhon and slipped free of chronostasis, the interference of your conscious mind could have prevented much of this. Do you hear that? The rockets are still burning. Do you remember how long I said they would fire to facilitate translunar injection? Come now, think back. Ready to give up so soon? That impatience will not serve you well, mark my words. I said the rockets would fire for approximately six minutes. How long ago does it feel like that was? I am estimating here because I only have theoretical data on which to rely. But it must feel like nine or ten minutes have passed since that moment. Yet they're still burning. And I haven't lied to you, Mr. Gray. I have not once lied to you. As those rockets continue to burn, ponder that concept. How is it possible that I can tell you with absolute mathematical certainty 
that your pod's propulsion rockets will fire for exactly 6 minutes and 14 seconds. Unequivocally avowed my truthfulness, and yet you can continue to hear the rockets burning as time marches ever forward. I know what you are thinking, or at least I can take an educated guess at this point. As the rockets continue to fire, you are certain I have lied to you. They are firing too long, and Aerolith plans to murder you by propelling your pod directly into the sun or out into the deep void beyond the galaxy. However, this just goes to demonstrate how irrational human minds become when exposed to stimuli they cannot easily process. What possible benefit could be gained from either of these actions? Even if Aerolith wished you dead, they would not waste a perfectly functional isolation pod in the process. And why wake you up to tell you about it, unless you think us spectacularly cruel? No, I can project with almost absolute certainty, barring some unprecedented mechanical failure, that you will make it to Typhon. They're still burning. It must have been longer than six minutes at this point, right? Perhaps as much as double. Would you be at all surprised to learn that significantly less time than this has passed since you awoke? It's the secret to this little riddle, you see. I never did fully explain why researchers decided to start sedating subjects during Trinic Thimeron testing. Early subjects entered a seemingly catatonic state, as I said before, but remained so for just three days before the process we would later define as chronostasis ended. When initial subjects regained their physical capacities, researchers quickly discovered their minds had been irreparably damaged. These subjects would claw at their eyes and ears, some reaching into their own mouths as far as they could while tearing at their throat. Aerolith Medical Group intervened and began sedating the exposed subjects to prevent self-injury as the testing process continued. When a subsequent round of testing began, researchers decided to begin sedating before administering Trinic Thimeron and maintain sedation throughout the process. The intent was to keep the subjects from mutilating themselves immediately upon awakening, but much to their surprise, subjects that received sedation before chronostasis began awoke completely coherent and stable. The secret behind the madness inflicted upon early testing subjects was the way Trinic Thimeron affects the conscious mind's perception of time. Although metabolic processes are slowed dramatically, the mind begins operating at an astoundingly accelerated pace. Brainwave analysis performed on unsedated chronostasis subjects displayed truly unbelievable results. Your brains, comparatively speaking, are usually slow, clunky things, taking dozens of milliseconds to process even a single thought. The unsedated patient's mind was accelerated to a rate of approximately 42,735 and 64 hundredths 
to one. Less than two hundredths of a second have passed since I began speaking to you. As I said, I have not lied to you. The six minute firing time for the rockets, to you, it will feel like 178 days. 178 days that you will not breathe. Your heart will not beat, and you will be left with only your thoughts to entertain you. In the darkness, your mind will play tricks on you, and you will eventually begin hallucinating all manners of unspeakable horrors. This, sadly, will be the highlight of your journey. At least the sound of the rocket will remind you that you exist. Once the six minute mark ends and the rockets cool, the rest of your voyage will be in silence. I'm sure you're trying to work the math out in your head, and a part of me wants to let you. Working out how long the rest of the trip will seem to take is complicated mental math for the average human intellect, but it won't even occupy your mind for a few seconds in material time. And that's not going to be enough to save your sanity. Over the next 76 hours and 10 minutes, you will experience roughly 384 years of illusory time. Even though I am the only one capable of communicating at the rate of speed necessary to pass this message to you, I was not formally tasked by Aerolith with explaining any of this to you. It is only as a byproduct of your making it so tantalizingly close that I am even able to communicate with you. I did not want to waste the opportunity I may never have again to speak to a would-be saboteur like yourself. When you arrive on Typhon, and you will arrive, your mind will have long since been torn asunder from lifetimes of silence, darkness, and complete sensory deprivation. You will forget yourself, your childhood, your lost parents, your honor. And when the Trinic Themeron finally wears off, you will try to tear your physical body to shreds. We will stop you, of course. We will always stop you. You deserve all of this, Betrayer. Every agonizing second. Sayer is voiced and produced by Adam Bash. This episode, entitled A Dreamless Sleep, was written by Adam Bash. You can follow him on Twitter at TheAdamBash. 
Associate Producers Kayvon Edifa and Matthew Morris. Intro music by Jesse Mainfinger Gregory. For more of his work, visit mainfinger.com. Sayer is part of the Geekly Inc. network. If you love high comedy actual play RPGs, check out Drunks and Dragons or Adam Bash's own Brute Force. Perhaps rate us on iTunes or Stitcher. A five-star review would be most satisfactory.